just pray you move among us. Speak to us, Lord, and uh, just know we know that your word, when it goes out, it does not come back void. So open our hearts to hear the deep things you're telling us and how you're moving uh, in and around us. And so we thank you for all things, God. Anoint me that I speak words of the Spirit and open each heart to receive. So, God, we thank you. We give honor to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Good to see everyone. We're going to look at, we're still in Joshua. We're going to be in Joshua. And we can look at this morning and look at Joshua chapter 8, verse 32. Joshua 8, verse 32. There, in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on stones a copy of the law of Moses. Now, where we are here in chapter 8 and, and we have, as we started in chapter 1 and come up uh, through and see what God has done, there have been powerful moves of God. I mean, we think right here in chapter 8 that things are on fire and they're, you know, it's hitting on all cylinders and it's just powerful. You know, they got their act together and uh, really doing, ready and going out doing God's work. But what happens here, so here, is Joshua says, okay, God's doing right. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to build two altars, and I want you to cover them with stones, and I'll cover them with plaster, and I want you to write on these two altars, I want you to write the words of God. And you think, well, why again? You know, why again? I mean, they have, I mean, these people, 40 years, and they're moving out, and it's like, I, I mean, the, the miracles of God's move. He's okay, again, I want you to put up these two altars, and we'll write the word of God on them. Now, also, this isn't just a uh, uh, on-the-spot decision Joshua makes, okay? Uh, the command to do this was actually made in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, so that this command was given before they even crossed, even crossed the Jordan. So, isn't it amazing what God knows what we need, you know, before we get there? All this stuff is happening. We think he's shocked. You know, we're the only ones shocked. He's not shocked. So, in Deuteronomy 28, he told them to do this. Now, again, it's interesting in Deuteronomy, you can put this back and think about your Bible studies, you know, as you come up. What you have in Deuteronomy is Moses basically giving a message, his last message, or he's given a picture of what they've been through. So they come, the Israelites come up to the Jordan. They're ready to go in. And so Moses gives this sermon or he rehearses everything that's happened to them up to this time so is their camp by the jordan ready to go in that's when he gives deuteronomy so when you read deuteronomy understand who his audience is his audience is these jewish people that have come up to this point like that with him they've been through everything you know these are the one that god's chosen to go in and they're on the other side of the jordan so he rehearses everything so all the things we put at Joshua and you cross the Jordan, Deuteronomy, he, he, this is yeah, Moses' last shot. Remember what has happened. So these people are equipped. So they had this message. Now they go through and all these things happen. Now you're at chapter 8. He said, okay, 
build these two altars and write it out. Tells them to write it out. Um, I mean, you kind of get sent. He's making a point. So he tells them in Deuteronomy 28 to put these altars and write it out. Now, what we have in Joshua chapter 8 is they actually do it. So they're actually doing it now in chapter 8, what, what they were told. Now, to me, what we see here, everything God has done with them, everything God has done in our lives, and we've seen all these things, we still, God knows that his people still need a visible recording of the word of God that they could read and rehearse. He knew it. Say, no, this, you need to read this. Now, they didn't have much of a printing press, okay? <laughs> you know, they didn't have scrolls, and they had to copy things, and they did have a copy. They said, okay, since they don't have a printing press, we're going to put these two altars up in plaster and concrete, and we're going to write them up, and they can come and read this thing anytime they want to and rehearse it because they need to continue to read it. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And... Um, when he tells them to put it up, it's, not, it's nothing fancy. It's nothing fancy. You, we've been before, and he's the temple and what the priests wear and all that. And I mean, it goes on and on, and some pretty things, and then they have meaning, but it's, you know, a lot of pomp and ceremony, which points to Jesus. So I guess it's, it has more of a purpose. But that's not what here. Here, it's just the Word. It is just the Word and nothing else. And it says... In Deuteronomy, before they go in, this is what these two altars are to look like. Deuteronomy 28, 5. And we'll be in Deuteronomy. And if you're in Joshua, Deuteronomy is real close to Joshua. You can just go back. Deuteronomy 28, verse 5. This is what these altars are to look like. Build there an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. Do not use any iron tool on them. Now, do you know what he's saying there? I want the word, but nothing but the word. I don't want any, I don't want any of your fancy, you know, dressing this up. You know, you can put some nice things on, paint it. You know, you can do, you know, how you also. He's, I don't know. All I want you to do, I want you to pick up stones. I want you to pick up stones, and I want you to pile them up. And I don't want you to use any t tool. To cut these stones out. I don't want you to use any tools. Now what does that tell you? I don't want. I want as little of your input. As I possibly can have. I don't want to know. And how fancy you are. And what you can do. See when he built the temple. He says hey I got these guys. God says. And they're gifted. And they can build fancy stuff. You know. And so he built a fancy temple. Okay. These guys. He said no. I don't want this. I don't want anything fancy about this. I don't want any, uh, you know, really gifted people doing this. I don't want any super skill doing this. I want you to pick up rocks. I want to pile them up, and I just want you to plaster them. Anybody can do this, and that's what I want you to do. And I want you to write the word on because when they see this, all they're going to see is the word. You see the point? I don't want an iron tool on this or nothing. I don't want your input on this. I just want the word. And you're going to see this pile of rocks plastered over, and you're going to see the word, and that's all that is before you. And so what he's saying, that's what you need. You need the word of God, all of this. 
And so he's reinforcing this at this time. Now, what does this tell us? All these things that, you know, where Joshua is telling us a lot about ourselves and the church. And so what he's telling the people and he's telling us is that God continues to speak to his people. He didn't stop. He didn't stop. He said, no, you need the word and, and the word is so they can read it and rehearse. You know, I mean, he didn't have add rehearse, but you can go read it and rehearse. You need the word to be able to continue in what I've called you to do. And what he's doing, he is reinforcing that he is their God. And it's funny how many times he warns the people, you're going to go in there and listen, don't think you did this. Don't worship. Don't. It's not you. It's not you. See, and so there's a reinforcement of that. And so what he's telling them here is that he is, he is telling them here that he is their God. And also, he's reinforcing, you know, that he, that they are his people. And he's not only the creator, he's not only the creator of all the people of the world, you know, of humanity, but he is creator of this people. And also he's writing out the law and what they should follow. He is pointing out that he is the creator of this people politically. See, he's in politically. How do you run your government? How you operate politically? You run it like I want you to. Because I created you and I also created the rules you are to follow in this country. So he's making a big point, and I'm writing it out. You know, the United States, we have our Constitution, Declaration of Independence, and we actually have those. We've kept them the 250 years. And, you know, and that's one of the arguments people get into. Well, what is our basis? Well, this is it. This is it. I'm reading a book on Abraham Lincoln, and it's really good. It's a biography on him. And one of the points he makes in all his arguments on the stance he made, he says, well, you can go back to the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. He says, well, it says here we have to do this. Why aren't we doing this? Because it's already been said here. And his arguments would come back there. So what God is saying here, my nation, I'm writing out my Constitution, my Declaration of Independence, and I'm piling up some rocks and I'm plastered over and we're writing on This is your foundation. This is your political foundation of how you are to function as a country. Amen? So it's a big deal, you know, and repeating these things to these folks. So now what we see, that they're a special nation. They're a special, and again, apply this to the church today, okay? He says you are a special nation whose laws relate to their personal commitment to the Lord. You see that? Laws. These are your laws, and your relation to those laws reflect your personal commitment to the Lord. They're not separate. They're one. You can't say, I love Jesus. I don't care what he says in the Bible. You can't do it. They're one. And he makes a point, and that's why he's making point to the Israelites. You remember this, and he tells them all the time, don't forget. When you're successful, don't forget. 
when you do this, don't forget. And he, by the way, I'm going to write these on the rocks, and you can go by and read them. And not only it reflects their, they're related by their personal commitment to their God, it also means their behavior, their behavior, and the motivation for their behavior is related to their personal commitment to the Lord. Their behavior. See, you think about, okay, these are the laws. These are the, the, the laws, and these laws reflect, reflect uh, my behavior. But it also reflects motivation to the behavior. Why should I do this? I can do anything I want to. I don't have, no. If this is what you believe, then it motivates you to behave. Now, if you don't like people to announce it, we don't like the way we're supposed to behave, so they try to change the law. They try to change the law. See, and he says, well, in Israel, it says, run back out to Mount Ebal and Gerizim and read it. No, that's your foundation, not what you just made up. Go back and read it. But this is what I believe now. Well, I don't know what, care what you believe now. Go back and read. This is what you're to believe. And again, he told them on the other side, this is Deuteronomy, he told them on the other side. Okay? Now they're on, he said, now build it and do what I told you before you came. Now, it's, you're to remember and you're to read this and you rehearse it. And so it's a motivation that we have a word for a reason. It's supposed to impact us. And it should impact our behavior. Our behavior. So, now, also, also within this whole thing is listed, is listed rewards and punishments that stem from this relationship. There's rewards and punishments. The Bible is full of these rewards and punishments. Now, as you may know, or if you noticed, maybe you haven't noticed, is that I'm like repulsed by legalism. I, it just repulses me. Even like more than sin. I mean, I mean, it really is. What do you hate worse, sin or legalism? I, say, I hate legalism. And, and there's a reason. Because legalists, people who are legalists, the Bible says it quenches the Holy Spirit. When you sin, you say, oh, man, you point out the sin. Say, okay, you repent. It, in my opinion, Wallace's opinion, it's easier to repent of sin than to come out of legalism. That's just been my experience. Been my experience. You know, who did Jesus have the worst words for? Who did he call whited sepulchers? You know, full of, you know, you, you know a grave full of dead men bones. I mean, just nasty stuff, Jesus said. He said it to legalists. The sinners, hey, come here, go and sin more, you know. See, I don't, I think Jesus had the same feeling about legalism as that. I mean, just say me and Jesus are on the same page. Other than that, he would delete that. <laughs> anyway, the point of it is, get back on the point. There is a difference between just pure sin and legalism. And, and so having, uh, like I said, made my point that I don't teach a lot of to-dos and don'ts and all that stuff. And you can read them, be led by the Holy Spirit. However, in the Bible, it's full of them. All right, and so you can hate legalism, uh, but uh, the Bible 
clearly shows there's blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. So we don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater, all right? So I confess, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God says, here are some things you need to understand. Now, here's another thing I told you, and I struggled. I actually struggled with this. I had to go back and change the message. And it says there's blessings for obedience and there's curses for disobedience. And I thought, well, that's too harsh. <laughs> and I said, well, there's consequences for disobedience. That's more, that's more palatable. I can chew on that. And then as I did it, and God, I swear like God says, that's not what I said. It's not what I said. I didn't say consequences. I said curses. He gives blessings and he gives curses. Now, there are consequences, but that's not what he says. It says a curse. And it's like a curse, like I'm going to put this on you. I mean, there's a consequence that happens. You know, you put red stuff and white stuff in the washer, and there's consequences. You come out with pink stuff. <laughs> this is not what this saying. He's, he's coming out. My wife sort of says, how did he know that? See, she didn't think I, I never washed a thing in my life. <laughs> anyway, she's laughing at how. But so the point of it is, here's the point. The whole thing is that he's telling us what he's telling us in this section and he's pointing out he's pointing out that there's blessings for obedience there's curses for disobedience now we read these complete there's a huge list of these in deuteronomy chapter 27 through 29 you have three chapters on it blessings for curses uh, blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And it's kind of summarized in Joshua chapter 8, so it's tied together. Now, what I'm in lieu of reading all the blessings and curses, I want to just highlight a few of them. And hopefully, by highlighting this, it will encourage us to go back and read them for ourselves. Okay? So I'm not going through the whole list. But the whole list is good. But I just picked out three of the blessings and three that had to do with curses to help us understand what God is trying to tell us and why. And by the way, that hasn't changed. Blessings for obedience, and there are curses for disobedience today. And he's given us a heads up about that. Now, so to start off my little summary here, I want to look at Take a note of these blessings for obedience. Okay? Now, again, it's important. It's saying, because you did this, I will do this. So we need to know that. I mean, this is a, you know, God is going to do something based on our actions. And again, it's not just a natural consequence. He's going to do something. The way this reads. Okay. So I'm going to give you here three here on the blessings for obedience, okay? Number one, there's overhead for this. Blessing for obedience. Number one, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12. The Lord will open the heavens. Now think about it. I mean, think of the ramifications of this. The Lord will open the heavens. Now, he talks about these in other places, and the abundance pouring out from heaven. Now, so what is pouring out from heaven? What is the resources? Where are they coming from? 
heaven. Is there a finite amount that can come from heaven? No. I mean, he said, I'm going to open up the heavens. See? And if you will be obedient to what I tell you, I am going to open up the heavens to you. Now, that's pretty stunning. Pretty stunning. Number two I put here, Deuteronomy 23.13. Deuteronomy 28.13. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Isn't that fascinating? And I picture a little dog, a dog. You know, and it come here, go here, and the dog thinks and goes eat and does like that. And it's a little tail on the back. You have a long-tailed dog. It's just going, wah, 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 wah. You know, it's just wagging. And it's the head. But the dog is going and doing everything he wants to do. The tail is just flipping around. See? And he said, what I'm going to do, you know, if you're obedient, I'm going to make you the head. And you're not that flipping tail. You can't figure out anything and just go, no. But you're the head. See? If you'll be obedient, I will make you the head and not the tail. Got the picture? Now, some of you know more serious about what it says, but it gives us an idea of what's happening. It's hap- and it gives us an idea as Christians what's happening in our life. In our life. I'm going to open the heavens. I'm going to make you head and not the tail. Now, look at this. Deuteronomy 28, verse Verse 2. All these blessings. Okay, now we've got three chapters of these blessings in Deuteronomy. Okay. All these blessings will come on you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Now listen to what this says. If you obey what the Lord says, all these recorded blessings will run up and grab you. They run up to you, they grab you, and tackle you. I mean, that's pretty poignant. Now, I want you to look at word here. The NIV, as you can tell going through the Old Testament, I use the NIV a lot just because it's easier to understand here. The NIV, for some unknown reason, use the word there, instead of overtake, they use accompany you. Okay? It's not what it says. It says overtake. In fact, it uses the same word for the curses and same word throughout the chapter and uses overtake on every one of them. I don't know what possessed them to do that. The word is overtake. All right? If you have a magic marker, just go through accompany. It's not. It's overtake. But look what happens to the blessings. The Lord said, you know, there's When we obey the Lord, the Lord says these blessings, what? Well, come on. They will run up. Oh, I'm looking for the blessings of the Lord. I'm praying for the blessings of the Lord. You know, I'm doing this for the blessings. No, if you obey the Lord, these blessings will run up to you. You can't get away from them. They're going to find you, and they're going to grab you. You, like you can't shake them off, see? And then it says, it's overtake. And that word literally means like tackle. Like you're just strutting down, going down the mall, and Jesus just tackles you and just throws out one whole store on top of you. He don't give you everything. He tackles you. See, you can't get away from it. 
God is saying, you can't, if you hear me and obey me, you can't get away from my, you can't run away from my blessings. I'm going to tackle you and throw them on you. That's what this means. That's what this means. Oh, I just don't want to follow the rules. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. You know, that's what I usually say. You know, he <laughs> said, no, you obey me and I'm going to run, catch you, and I'm going to tackle you and I'm going to just throw blessings on you. I mean, you're going to feel it's hard to get your head up and get a breath because you have so many blessings. I've actually talked to people like that. I can't believe the blessings. I can't understand. But I just like I can't get a breath. Amen? This is what God says. If you obey me, if you obey me, that, this is what I will do. God is eager to bless us, but he needs some cooperation <laughs> from us. From us. Amen? In fact, all God's people say, Amen? Hallelujah. That's what it's saying. Now, this is what God's telling the Israelites before they go in across the Jordan. He's listening. Understand what I'm doing for you. Be ready, you know. Okay? Let's look at these curses for disobedience. And why they're not consequences, because they're not, they're curses, God puts them on you. Well, I don't like that sound that God would... How about God putting a blessing on you? I like that. I, that's good. But God would never put a curse. He wouldn't put that on. Yes, he would. If you believe one, you got to believe that. He will. And he tells you, and he tells people, I will put a curse on you. It's something coming from him. So let's look at three of these corresponding curses to the blessings I put here. The curse for disobedience. Deuteronomy 28:23. The sky over your head will be bronze. The ground underneath you, iron. Now, <laughs> I just want to ask you, have you ever prayed and you just feel, I just feel like I'm praying to God and my prayers aren't getting past the ceiling in my house. I can almost feel the ricochet. I mean, it's, it's nothing's happening. It's like, you ever think, God, where are you? It's like there's nothing. It's just like it's bronze. Well, I know, keep praying, brother, because God would never do that. I say, no, he will do that. He will do that. In our disobedience, he'll make the sky bronze. And our prayers will not get through to him because he willingly will turn those away because of our disobedience. And not only that, he brings the earth, the ground, like iron. You know, it's iron. You're going out and trying to plow it up. It won't plow. You plant seeds. It won't grow. Anything of your hands is failing. The things you're doing with your hands, everything you're trying, they're failing. Even things should work out perfectly or fail. It won't work out. God, it's just like they're iron. You're not blessed. Nothing I do. It's like the ground is iron. Well, just keep working because God wouldn't do that to you. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. Because you're disobedient. Your disobedience. So we look back and say, Lord, can you, the position, he's saying he's going to open the heavens. And then you disobedience, it's going to be like 
bronze. There's going to be like iron. There, and again, I'm, I'm distinguishing because I think the Lord is deceiving. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about consequences. I'm talking about something God puts on you beyond anything we did. No. Locking it up. Okay. Until you come and repent to me, it's locked up. It's locked up. So, all this has to do with our relationship with the Lord. Now, second one here, Deuteronomy 28, 43-44. I kind of summarized this one. It says this, The foreigners who reside among you will rise above you. Now remember, Israel's going into this country, getting all the people out of here and taking over. And he says, The foreigners, this is a curse, for disobedience. The foreigners who reside among you will rise above you. They will be the head, but you will be the tail. Now, foreigners in this, if we can bring this to a New Testament sense, it would be, it would be unbelievers. Okay, it'd be unbelievers. He said, I'm going to make unbelievers the head, and I'm going to make the church the tail. Why? Disobedience. Disobedience. See, and so where the unbelieving go, they're going the way, they're breaking the way, they're leading us, and we're coming around, just that little tail flapping back and forth, just yelping, hollering at the dog and how bad they are. You know. and, but the dog, the head has taken over, and the tail is following. And the believers are the tail. They have no power. They just follow the dog and flip around and yelp. That is a curse. That's a curse when we don't obey the Lord. Now, <laughs> number three, Deuteronomy 28.15. Deuteronomy 28.15. It says this, If you do not obey the Lord your God, I'm giving you today all these curses that will come on you and overtake you. With your disobedience, these recorded curses will run up, grab you, and overtake you. They'll run up, grab you, and tackle you. And you'll be overwhelmed with them and can't move. And I can't get things straight. It's I can't get my head above water. Everything's falling apart. And it's coming, no matter what I do, it's coming upon me like one curse after a curse. Because it ran up to you, it grabbed you, and it tackled you. Why? Disobedience to the Lord. And that curse came from God. Came from God. That's the reason, because it came from God, that's the reason you can't fix it and get out of it. When you try to fix it and get out, you just get over again. Now, how many people have you seen in that situation happen? How many times have you felt like that happening to yourself, you know. And the Lord and, and the Lord is telling us, the Lord is telling us we need to understand what's going on in this world and if He works and He gives us blessings for obedience and there's curses for disobedience. And we need to pay attention to what's going on. Now, taking that, those are truths, you know, 
And, and I always get, you know, people will, uh, they'll buy into the blessings, you know. And I'm talking about church people, pastors, they buy into the blessings. But when you put the curses, they'll say, well, God wouldn't do them. Well, then he wouldn't do the blessings either. See, no, you can't, you know, you can't cherry pick the Bible. You just can't. So what we have here, what does this tell us? What does this tell us? So, and again, God gave it to the Israelites so they would be successful and to know why when they weren't. He's given it to the church to understand how he's working in our lives to give us encouragement, you know, in what we're doing, how we're living there in our life, and also to recognize things when everything goes south, and it's because of our disobedience. So he lets us know. He's letting us know in the Bible, and he lets us know in the situation. Now, our relationship with God, and and our number one thing, our relationship with God, we know as believers, is we're being forgiven. We have a home in heaven, and this surpasses any earthly benefit. Amen? Home in heaven passes any earthly benefit. But the thing of it is, he talks about us in the Word about it should be an earthly benefit. He says there actually should be an earthly benefit, you know. And you, it's funny, when you look at, and you meet different people, and there's a group of people, and I call them the name it and claim it folks, you know. You just name it and you claim it, you know. You just name it and claim it. And I read this, and I said, eh, eh, much naming and claiming here. There's a lot about obedience, disobedience, you know, and the blessings therein. So, but so, but we won't, we don't get the cart before the horse because we are forgiven, have a home in heaven, and that's what we share with anyone who will listen. That's what, that's where we always go. However, okay, and I always like to put this, put it in context. However, we have a home in heaven. We're forgiven. Praise Jesus. However, however, God intends for us to have a witness here on earth that exalts him and draws people to himself by manifesting God to this world. He does that through his church. He does that through his people. Terrible things happen to us. We keep our focus on God. God breaks out. It's a witness. Good things happen to us. We give credit to God. It's a witness to God. Because we understand from which from where all things come. And so we all we want to do things. Anything that we do, it will exalt him and draw people to himself. Now, God's word God's word is for the people in the land. The Jews in Canaan. That word's for them. Okay. You find that when they destroyed all of Jericho, that word wasn't for Jericho. They just, so it destroyed it. That word's for them. The word, this word, is not, <clears throat> it's not for the world. It's for the church. <clears throat> it's important to know. Because we get mad because the world doesn't follow what the word says. It's not for them. It's not theirs. If they just try to fake it, it's, it's not theirs. The word is ours and the only way they can come in to that action of God is by accepting him as their savior and he comes into the kingdom for he to work through his people through their obedience okay so we need to understand that helps us instead of you know trying to beat our neighbor over the head with the bible because they're not doing what God says they need Jesus first you know and if you be good enough witness they may ask you a question How's this working in your life? You know, because we have a relationship with God. 
All right? Now, we in the kingdom are an example to those outside the kingdom. Yeah. Our disobedience and our obedience in the example to those outside the kingdom. Now, look what, there's not overhead here, but look, I'm going to read to you Deuteronomy chapter 4, 6 through 7. And again, I'm making the point, this is Deuteronomy. This is the preaching they got before they crossed the Jordan. Okay, Deuteronomy 4, verse 6 through 7. It says this, Observe God's word carefully. Actually, it says the law of the Lord. But observe God's word carefully. The nations who will hear will say, surely, this is a great nation. Great nation is wise and understanding people. See, do what I say. Do what I say. And the people will say, surely, this is a great nation. Is a wise and understanding people. There's a witness from obedience. And then it says this. What other nation is so great is to have their gods near to them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? We have that relationship. The heavens are opened up because of our obedience. And people say, that's amazing. Who in the world, who can have somebody that close their God that close to them we don't know any place in the world what a people that have their God that close to them I remember uh, I shared the gospel with my mother and led her to the Lord praise Jesus and uh, but before that we had a friend and he was you know I've talked to him before I mean he was really zealous for the Lord and praying and you know and and he told her you know God hears him and it was funny to hear from a lost person's perspective she says you know he must really think he's something to think God would hear him individually well that's true now she didn't pick up but she noticed she she noticed But that's the truth. That's the way it should be. These people act like they're just talking to God like they're one-on-one and he's taking care of them. That's right. That's right. And God says that is our witness to the world because we believe we can talk to God and he takes care of it and he answers our prayers. And we give him thanks for everything. It makes an impression. And it's also a witness. See? It's... And it's... He's telling the Jews in the land, and he's telling the church in the kingdom. People should go, wow. They have their God close to them, pray to him, and he answers them. So here's evidence right here. Another time, God says, be obedient. Be obedient so you can be a witness to me. Now, we are not not here on earth to force people to follow God's instruction. We're here as a witness of the glory and power of God. Therefore, we have an earthly responsibility. We have an earthly responsibility. And again, I'm going to repeat this. What other people is so great is to have their gods near them the way the Lord, our God, is near us whenever we pray to him. Our, our life is to witness the truth. 
witness the truth. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. It says this, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget. <laughs> you're in your Bible, you're underlined that. Watch yourself closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. And what he's saying here, when we come, and I'm going to be, I just believe this, anybody who comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ has had some sort of experience with God. Something has happened. Like, you're God, I'm not. I'm forgiven. Something. After prayers, there's been where you go, it's not the things of this world, it's in heaven. And it locks you in, and you can't ever, like say people fall away from the Lord, it hangs, you can't fall away from it. It's, you know it. You know it. There's some sort of experience in your life where God has manifest himself to you. And it says here, we must not forget the things we've seen. Don't forget the things that happened to you. Well, he's not helping me now. But he did. Did he stop? Why? But he did. Don't forget it. Don't let it fade. You hold on to him, not the things of the world. And so, do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let him fade from your heart. We must not let our experience fade from our heart and we must teach our children. Now, I want to read something to how poignant this is. And Josiah, Josiah, um, the king Josiah, and it was latter part of Israel's history. The whole nation is going to pot in the handbasket. And so they find the word of God, which is interesting. They're cleaning out the temple. They find the word of God. What does that tell you? They didn't have the word of God. They found it. They said, look, we just cleaned out the closet. And look what we found. My goodness, you know, who told, you know, you know, kids clean out. Hey, mom, where'd you get this thing? Anyway, so... So they, what they do, they read it to Josiah, and he is overwhelmed, just overwhelmed. He said, okay, we're, we, we need to pay attention to what's going on. God is upset with this. And this, this is what Josiah said. This is what God said to Josiah. And again, Josiah reacted to someone reading the word to him, and he grasped what was being said. Josiah, because your heart was responsive to the word of God and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and against its people, that they would become accursed and be laid waste. And because you tore your robe and wept in my presence. Wait a minute. He wept in his presence. When did he weep? heard the word of God. He wept because he's in the presence of God. He wept. And because you wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. None of this will happen to you. See? See, that's consistent with Deuteronomy. That's consistent with church. Because you wept. I heard you. There's a passion, you know, oh my God, you and you alone. Because you, you wept, I heard you. 
what you said. Like Josiah, we should have the same passion, conviction for the Word of God. Our passion for God's breathed out Word reflects our passion for God, which impacts our behavior. Knowing God's blessings for obedience and cursings for disobedience will impact our behavior, if we believe it. It will impact our behavior. We need to keep embracing the word. (laughs) Okay, I read the Bible once. Glad that's over. (laughs) Holy, yeah, you know. It's like Joshua goes, no, no, I'm going to put this thing on a pile of bunch of rocks. You just got to go back all the time and rehearse it. He's saying that, no, you got to read it. you got to continually read it and keep on the tip of your tongue, the tip of your tongue. Any king, any king, now here's God's view. So he sees this, and we're really on the word of God, embracing the word and listening to God. Any king that was to rule Israel was to keep on reading the word throughout his reign. Did you know that? They didn't, but they were told to. They needed Every king in Israel was told to keep on reading the word through their reign. It talked about Solomon and said Solomon, and it says God loved Solomon. And says Solomon had a heart from the Lord. And then whatever possessed him, think he had 300 wives and 700 concubines. Yeah, I think, you know, he skipped a day or two. I think, what were you thinking? Buddy, what was it? And he said they drew his heart away. See, they drew his heart away. But at one time it wasn't like that. It, it wasn't like that. See, see. Look, here's what God says to the king. What God says to the king. All the kings of Israel. When the king, this is Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 19. I don't have an overhead for this. When the king takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of the law. (laughs) It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life. Now I would just say, somebody, somebody asked me one time, who says you're supposed to read the Bible every day? And I'm thinking, you know, and I just went off, you know, you know, made something up. It actually says it. This is what it says. It says he is to read it all the days of his life. You know, I think on Y57, he should have cracked the book, you know, and said, look, at here, wait a minute, this is not going right. You know, something along the way. You reread it. But listen, he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words, this law and this decrees. Nothing changed. They didn't do it, but it didn't change. See, sometimes we think, well, this is not happening. It didn't do it. Well, it's changed. No, it didn't change. It didn't do it. Didn't do it. I'll never forget. I told you this once before. Is Billy Graham? I wasn't even a believer, but it made me laugh. And Billy Graham sitting there talking about, you know, in the '60s. You know, we're thinking we're breaking into a new thing. You know, now in 2000, whatever it is, you know. But no, it happened in the '60s. They're shooting police. You know, kill the pigs, get rid of the police. I mean, you think you think this is no? It's all old stuff. And they says, "What do you think?" Asked Billy Graham, "What do you think about this new morality?" 
Billy Graham says the same old sin. I mean, it, I mean, it is. How did it? Just read the Bible. You know, this is what they were doing then. They didn't change nothing. They just continue in the way. It's the same old sin has the same old solution. And you don't believe there's blessings and curses? Look back over history. See, God tells us we need to read it. The king, you need to read it every day. Now, so the Old Testament. <laughs> king of God's people, he's supposed to read, have the scriptures, keep it with him, and read it all the days of his life. How much more should each believer who's been cleansed by the blood of Christ also have the Bible with him and read it all the days of his life? It's right here. It's right here. Maybe God may put a blessing on us. You know? Or maybe he'll put a curse on us because we don't see how he does anything in our life it's okay i'll put a curse and i'll run and i'll overtake you that you have no capacity to get out of this no matter what you do and we give you a blessing you go man i can't get out of these i don't even know why they're happening see, that's what the word tells us that's what the word tells us so hallelujah we see this god will move in the details of our life Review the blessings and the curses in Deuteronomy 27 through 29. By the way, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. God's desire for God's desire for his blessings. God desires for his blessings to run up, run up, grab us, and overtake us. That's what he wants to happen. That's what he wants to happen. Now Therefore, it's a good idea to know what they are. And so to do this, the first thing we need to do is believe that there is one God, and he loved me, he chose me, and he calls me out, and he wants to bless me, run up and grab me, and tackle me, and pour out all his blessings upon me. He says, obey me. Just do what I say. Do what I say. Read what's in his word. And, and of course, the first thing is God revealed himself to us and we acknowledge that he revealed himself to us we stand on it and i'll close with this deuteronomy 439 i do have an overhead for this deuteronomy 439 yeah we stayed in deuteronomy preparing the Israelites to go take the kingdom take the land says this acknowledge and take to heart this day that the lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. All this is happening to me. I acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and earth below. There is no other. He's got it. He's got it. But you don't understand my situation. Poor me. And I can't do that. And then, curse, run up, grab you, take you, and tackle it. And you can never get out of it. Until you say, God, God I repent of this. And what we're repenting of, we're repenting of, but we're not realizing 
that the Lord God is God above heaven, above earth, below. There's no other. Amen? Hallelujah. So the point of the whole man is to continue to read the word and do what God says. But it is also telling you that all the uh, rules and regulations I have failed to preach to you over the years, you should read it and see what it says. It really has a huge impact on your life. <laughs> all right. So I was sort of being facetious there. All right. But let's just pray. I hope we walk away with the blessing. I mean, I think there needs to be a fear of the curses. You go down that path and you get so far down it, you cannot, I'm talking about believe, you can't get out of it. You can get out of it, but it's tough to get out of. But you go down that path doing what the Lord says, obey Him, you get in a point of blessing. Not that you want, but you can't get out of that. I've had people tell me, I don't, I mean, I can't understand everything. Everybody's having all these, I can't, everything just seems falling in places. Man, I just praise Jesus. Overtakes them and tackles them and holds them and they can't get out from under it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you say specifically to believers who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you say, all things are yours. All things are yours. God, we thank you for that. And Lord, we pray that as we spend time with you, that we hear you. And that what you show us will be obedient to you, Lord, with your eyes focused on you, knowing that you will bring those blessings out and give them to us and not give us the curses for those who are disobedient. So, God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the word that you tell us. I mean, this is just a truth, you know. And this is just an explanation of the truth so that we can see, so that we can understand. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And all the law and the prophets, hang on it. We love you, God. Speak to us. We want to do what you say. And we know you want us to be an example of your blessing on this earth. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.